Um, in a minute, uh, we are going to hear from our guest speaker this morning, and I just want to introduce him real quickly. His name is Moran Rosenblatt, and he is a good friend of mine. Um, he is part of a ministry. We minister to reach out to Jewish people, um, and that is a burden of ours. I, I remember meeting him for the first time in a hotel in Tiberias uh, on the Sea of Galilee, and our paths have crossed and intersected ever since. And so he is not just a, a speaker this morning. He is a friend, and he is part of of this body of believers. And so we are excited to hear from him and, and his message this morning. So uh, I encourage you to do that. What I'd like to do right now is pray for the offering. And uh, after that, we will get to hear from our guest speaker. So would you join me? God, we thank you this morning. Be with us. We pray that in all things, God, this morning, you would get the glory. Lord, we are thankful for our freedom this morning. Thankful for our freedom to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, would you work in each of our hearts this morning? Open us up to what you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. It's a a blessing to be with you this morning. I'm a little tired because um, our neighbors yesterday decided that the 10 p.m. limitation of firecrackers and fireworks uh, should go until uh, 1 a.m. and it was a kind of uh, interesting but uh, nevertheless I'm very grateful to be here with you this morning. I'm very grateful for the reminder that Pastor Dave gave us about this wonderful place called the United States of America. It's a wonderful reminder of where this great place used to be. And I hope it's also a great encouragement of where we should have a desire that this great place return to. Because sadly, and I know it's not breaking news, you came to church so you don't watch CNN right now. Sadly, this place that I have a great love for is going in the wrong direction. Now we as believers can be very angry and very upset over that. But let me just suggest that instead of pointing fingers to the world, we should turn the finger to us, to ourselves, to see where, are, where do we need to repent before God and return to God. Because I believe it is time for us to bring God back to our congregations, back to our churches, to be the center of our lives and not away. And in order to do that, one of the things that I want to encourage and exhort each one of us, and that's one of the main purposes of what I want to share with you is the importance of God's Word and knowing God's Word. Knowing it for ourselves, because each one of us has the responsibility, the personal responsibility to take the time and read God's Word. Not just to come on Sunday to church and count of whoever the pastor that is teaching to teach us, and then we say, we know God's Word. I encourage Pastor Dave to do something. I hope it's okay to say that. I encourage him in one of the messages to come and give you about 
20 minutes of false teachings that will sound absolutely wonderful. And then the rest of the 15 minutes to share with you why it's so important to know God's word for ourselves. Because any person that comes here, yes, we will have to give an account to God for what we say, but each one of us will also, or also have the responsibility to know and to make sure that what we say is with accordance to the word of God. I personally believe that when we read the Word of God for ourselves, we will have a world of insights that will give us a stronger confidence that the God that we believe in is not just a mini-God, but that He is the Almighty God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God that can do more than we can even think and imagine, even turn back this great place back to Him and give America an extra time of grace. But one of the things that will happen is that the more we read the Word of God, the more questions we're going to start to have. And I like to ask questions. And I want to encourage all of us, as we study the Word of God, to be students who are asking questions. It's okay to ask certain things of God. One of my favorite places in Israel to go and visit is called Kfar Nachum. Now you may think I'm speaking in a different language. Yes, I am. I'm speaking in Hebrew. And as you know, well, let's do it now. Can you say Kfar? Without an accent. <laughs> Can you say Kfar? Nachum. Wonderful. I'm preparing you to heaven because that's the language that we're going to speak. Kfar <laughs> Nachum, you may wonder what I'm saying. The English word is Capernaum. And one of my favorite places in Israel to go and share is from that place called Capernaum. But when I got to Capernaum and I was reading God's word, I was asking, God, why... Out of all the places in Israel, why would you start your ministry, the actual time of healing and deliverance and bringing the light into the darkness out of this place called Capernaum, which is in the Galilee? Why not to start it in Jerusalem? Yeshua, as we call him in Israel, Jesus, if you are the Messiah, why won't you start your actual ministry in Jerusalem? Makes sense to me that he will start his ministry as a Messiah in his city, the place where he chose to put his name at. But before we go to understand that, in Matthew chapter 4, the first 11 verses we know them as a time of the temptation, of the test in the desert. The time of temptation and testing in the desert took 40 days. And I want to encourage us as students of the Word, when we see the number 40, it always marks a significant time of change, of transition 
in whatever is going to take place. After all, 40 days, flood. 40 years, in the desert. And we can go on and on to see that whenever we see the number 40, it will always mark a time of transition. So the fact that our Messiah was tested for 40 days should point out that now there will be a change, a transition in what's going to take place right now. And after that, we go to Matthew 4, verse 12. And it says, Now when he heard that John had been taken into custody, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and settled in Capernaum, or Kfarnachum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, this was to fulfill what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people were sitting in darkness, saw a great light. And to those who were sitting in the land and shadow of death, upon them a light dawned. And then it says, From that time Yeshua Jesus became to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. My brothers and sisters, everything that our Messiah did was there as a fulfillment of prophecy. Everything that he did was because that's what the prophet said, and he came in order to fulfill those prophecies. But as I was reading it, I felt that there is um, something there that was missing. So I decided to go to Isaiah chapter 9, and I want to encourage all of us to read Isaiah chapter 9. And in Isaiah chapter 9, there is a description. 9-1, and I'm going to go I'm actually going to read it to you with a literal translation from Hebrew, if you don't mind, to give a better understanding of what took place. But there's a description that somebody needs to come to the region of Zebulun and Naphtali. Somebody needs to come to that region where there was no hope, no gloom, and bring hope out of that region. Now, that place that is called Capernaum, and the reason why I call, I like its Hebrew name, Kfar Nahum, the literal translation of Kfar Nahum is the village of the comforter. The name for that place was given by Jewish people who were yet to believe. They had no idea what a prophetic name they give to that place, the village of the comforter. The comforter needed to come from that specific place called the village of the comforter. And then it continues on and it says that those, the people who were walking in darkness, what does that mean in darkness? Those people who were slave to sin, those people who had no hope, no life, those people have seen a great light. 
So the same person who comes out of that region, right there, of Zebulun and Naphtali. Right there, by the sea. Can we see the picture for a moment? Oh, it's right behind me. I saw myself and I don't like that. But that is a picture right where Capernaum is, where Farnachum is. As you can see, by the sea, opposite from there are the mountains of Jordan. That is the place that used to be called the Galilee of the Gentiles. That person that will come from there will bring a great light. There will be a light that will touch those that are coming from the darkness. He will increase their gladness. There will be a great harvest that they are going to see from that person. You see, it's not just that he chose that place by coincidence. There was a purpose for that person that comes there to bring a great joy out of the harvest of what's going to take place once he comes. The yoke of his suffering. And again, I'm translating it directly from Hebrew, so you may see some words that are a little different. Will be upon him. And then comes a verse. In Hebrew, it's verse 4. I, I believe in your Bibles, it's verse 5. That in Hebrew, when I read this to the average Israeli, they have no idea what I'm saying. No idea what I'm saying. But the more I went and I started to investigate what the word actually says, the words there, that verse, describe in Hebrew a victory in a war. Which war? The war of holiness. That person that is coming of that region, that person that those who are in the bondage of sin, walking in darkness, will see as a great light. That person that we will celebrate as a day of a first harvest, of a great harvest, that same person will bring a war, a victory, sorry, in the war, the war of holiness. That person is describing these words. Because unto us a child is born. A son, a son is given to us. And the responsibility, the commissioning will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called, and this is where it's important to put a comma between each one of the descriptions in English, okay? Wonderful. That will be one of his names. Wonderful. The one who does wonders. 
Counselor. Again, in your Bibles, it says wonderful counselor, but those two words are actually separated. Is a counselor. And let me ask us, the Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit for us? Is the counselor. We can see all the insights of the descriptions of God, the Messiah, in His Word. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. And my brothers and sisters, this verse is so important because a lot of people from where I'm coming from in Israel, they say, well, the Messiah will not be God. This verse clearly says that his name will be called not just Prince of Peace, but Everlasting Father, Mighty God. He will be our Counselor. He will have the responsibility to bring endless peace. That same person that come of that region will have the responsibility to bring endless peace on the seats of David. And whenever there is a description of the seats of David, it always refers not just to the Messiah but for his job and responsibility to be our judge. One day, each one of us will have to face God. And one day, we will have to give an account of everything in our lives. So on the seats of David for judgment, to prepare it for his kingdom to prepare it for the meal for the feast in judgment and righteousness from now and forevermore the jealousy of the Lord will do that my brothers and sisters, our God is a jealous God. Our God wants us for Himself. Everything out of His jealousy and out of His love and out of His desire that we will be belong to Him will come true just as the Messiah Himself came one day to that place called Kfar Nahum, the village of the Comforter right there on the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, and from there started his ministry to bring the light into the world. Verse 7, it's verse 7, no, it's verse 8 in your Bible. Again, I'm, I'm reading from Hebrew, it's a different order a little bit. Said something very interesting. It says the Lord sends a message against Jacob and it falls on Israel. And I have a serious problem with this translation because it says against Jacob. 
In Hebrew, it says something else. Davar shalach Adonai be'Yaakov v'nafal be'Israel. You understood, right? This is what it says. A word, a word God sent to Jacob. Not against Jacob, but to Jacob. And it's so important to understand the difference. A lot of people falsely saying that God is done with Israel because of their disobedience. They will take such verses that are mistranslated and will say, against, but not here, a word God sent to Jacob. And it fell in Israel. That word that is being used in here, a word and not a message, is the same word that later on we can read described in that way. In the beginning was the word. It's the same word. And the word was with God. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life. And the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Even now when we read this, it's amazing. The same word. Yeshua, Jesus, came as a fulfillment of prophecy. God sent the word, sent His only Son to Israel. God has a great desire for Israel to come to know Him. His Son went to that place called Kfar Nahum, the village of the Comforter, to start the beginning of ministry, of delivering this world, this dark world, from its darkness and bring it to the light. Brothers and sisters, it's important to know the Word of God. It's important to know that when we say that Yeshua, Jesus, is a Messiah, and I have no doubt that He is the Messiah. If He wasn't the Messiah, there is no one else. He needed to come in a very specific time, to a very specific place, to start His ministry, and He fulfilled it. But we can't just say that He is the fulfillment of prophecy if we don't read the prophecies for ourselves and know the prophecies. And again, it gives us a better assurance that the one that we believe in, that because of him we decided to come to Calvary at 8.45 a.m. The day after July 4th, when our dog was crying all night, that the one that we are doing it because is truly 
who is said that he is. But then as we continue to read in Matthew, we go to another question that I had. Matthew 4.18, it says, And walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left the nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw the two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And they immediately left the boat and their father and followed him. And I had to stop and say, okay, why would they follow him? Here comes this stranger and say, leave everything you know. Leave your livelihood. Leave your father and follow me. I would ask, who do you think you are? Give me a reason to follow you. But they left everything and followed him. So I say, okay, why? There probably was a valid reason that they have done it. And I started to investigate in the Word of God. And I found something very interesting. The first thing that is important to know about those disciples, that they were not dumb people as some may think. You know, oftentimes you hear that those who came from the Galilee were not the wise, not the smart. Now, why do people think that? Because in the word it may refer to that, but why would that refer? Who said this? The snobs and the arrogant from New York. In that time, it was from Jerusalem. Even now, here in America, there are those who live in Manhattan Beach that may look down at those that live in Santa Ana. You know, it's okay. Or in the different colleges. Those disciples were students. Those disciples will go to the synagogue that was right there in the center of the village of Capernaum. Now, if you don't believe me that it's there, I hope that Pastor Dave, Pastor Matt, Pastor Eric will remember that Israel exists also and will come back to Israel. I know now the trend is Turkey, but, you know, Israel is not far. Okay, I just needed to do that. I may be in trouble after that. But in the center of that village, there is a synagogue. The house of gathering. The place that they gather to worship God and also to learn about God. And those disciples from a young age 
studied the Word of God. Which means that they knew the Word of God. Do we know the Word of God? Do we understand what the Word of God says and why it's so important to read the Word of God from its beginning? From the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis, chapter 48, there is a description of the blessing of Jacob over Joseph's son. Ephraim and Menashe. And this is what he says in verse 15. And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. And may my name live in, on in them, and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now, why is that so unique? And why would they leave everything that they know and follow him? What is the connection here? This is what the Hebrew scripture says, and I'm just reading Verse 16. The angel who redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys and will call in them my name and the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. And may they, and it says here the word, and may they greatly fish amongst the earth. Sadly, all the Bible translations that I've read says, may they grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. But in Hebrew it actually says, and may they greatly fish, be fishermen amongst the earth. Jeremiah 16, 16 verse says, Behold, I'm going to send for many fishermen, declares the Lord. And they will fish for them. And afterwards I shall send for many hunters. And they will hunt them from every mountain and every hill. And from the cleft of the rock. Brothers and sisters, let me just suggest that the disciples, as students of the word of God, as men who knew what the word says, they knew that during that time, somebody needs to come to that region. That somebody will not just bring the light into the darkness, will not just be called mighty God, but that somebody will use a term that is called fisherman. And when that person will use that term, they are to leave everything and they can trust Him because He is the promised Messiah. It will be just like I will say right now to Pastor Dave. One person is going to come to church, a very trustworthy person, 
And he's going to use the term, Pastor Dave, you are an amazing teacher of the Word of God. And only that person that is going to use this term, Pastor Dave, you are an amazing teacher of the Word of God, you are to trust and follow to where he's going. Pastor Dave will not get up with anyone who uses any other term but exactly the terms that I just told you. And when that person comes, he knows that he can leave everything and trust him. Well, brothers and sisters, Matthew 24, when the disciples ask our Messiah, how will we know the times? What will be the signs of times? He said, the first thing he told them, be aware that nobody, nobody will be misleading you or that you will not be misled. What does it mean? It means in simple words for us to understand. He said to them, make sure that you know me. Make sure that you will know that it's me and not somebody else because we are living in times where there will be false messiahs. Where there will be those that we will be convinced that they are the one. But he said, be aware that you are not being misled. How will we not be misled? Is it just tar- trusting our feelings, our instincts? Or is it by knowing what the word says? So we can recognize him when he comes. Do you know him? Do you know that you know that you know him? And if you do know him, what does that mean? Are you ready? Are you prepared? Will you know to recognize him when he comes? Will he recognize you when he comes? Let's pray. Father, we want to, I want to thank you for your love. I want to thank you, Lord, that you are the one who came to that small village called the village of the comforter to bring much comfort for us who were walking at one time in darkness, for ones who were slaves to darkness, and you came to bring light, to bring deliverance, that you are the living word, that you are mighty God. I thank you for your grace that allowed us to come to know you and to be in relationship with you. Father, I pray for anyone here who is yet to know you, that they will make a decision today And they will not wait until tomorrow because you came here to bring deliverance. But you will also bring judgment. And I pray that we will all be righteous before the Father because of the sacrifice that you have done for us. Lord, I pray that you will give us the urgeness to Read the word of God and have 
is a desire to be students of the Word of God. I pray, Lord, that you will glorify yourself in and through our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.